Hey there, hockey fans, and welcome back to the next episode of podcast that you're going to need to know to get ready for your preseason hockey drafts. We're talking about the third in, of our four preseason installments. You're listening to the eighth season of Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ Friends. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario. You can follow me at Statsman22. You can follow my co-host, AJ Scholes, at AJ Scholes24. He's based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's pretty close to our Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. you got to check out the Rotowire website for your needs in all ranges of sports. Uh, in our off-seasons, we cover baseball. I cover baseball a little bit for them, and AJ does a lot of great work in soccer. But we're getting ready to get you uh, all set for your hockey season that's upcoming. And the games have started already, so I'm enjoying looking at a lot of highlights. And I know AJ's all over that, too, updating the website with uh, the roster depth charts. And uh, that's where we're, we're going to begin today again, AJ. Uh, welcome back to the show. What are your thoughts as we head into today's program? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't have a, a, a ton off the top here. Just, you know, it's always, um, you know, one step forward, two steps back in terms of uh, our, our coverage. Right. Because we're we're trying to clear injuries with guys returning that, you know, might have carried over from last season. So we're doing that. And then, of course, inevitably more injuries pop up. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, from a from a work standpoint, it always feels like we're one step forward two steps back here in terms of uh, clearing out some of those injury concerns for you. But as we get information that is up on the site right away, as quick as we can get it. So definitely as Paul said, check out rotowire.com for all your latest injury news as we head into the final two weeks of training camp. And friends, I can't understand, understate it off, overstate it often enough. The, Work that has been done at Rotowire's back office with uh, all sports and keeping you up to date on the status of all players is unparalleled. I, I was a consumer before I was an em- employee here, and uh, I love the fact that they do such a great in-depth uh, job of re- reporting all this stuff. As soon as it happens, they've got great connections to writers and people who cover the teams all over the, the map, and uh, that's why they're often first at Rotowire to get this information, and it's always very accurate from what I find. Now, AJ, we have a few topics to cover uh, the news in the offing about the prospect of a best world-on-world tournament, best-on-best, finally being talked about again. I guess the last two years have have disrupted a lot of activity in the world landscape. But they're talking about a 2024 World Hockey Championship likely to be held in in North America. But uh, certainly the run-up will feature games in Europe as well. And they're talking about including up to 10 nations and uh, and uh, finally, we can look forward to best on best hockey again. Uh, I know they're even talking about ways to include the Russian contingent with the war and against the Ukraine. You know that uh, the Russian uh, nation will will be treated a little bit differently than other teams, but they want to get the the Soviet born players. Uh, included in the tournament somehow. So uh, we'll look forward to how that turns out. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, I I more than anything just want them to figure out how we can get NHL players back to the Olympics. Like the World Cup is great. That's all well and good. The World Cup of Hockey, they've done it. I think 2016 was the last one they did. But like I like seeing the guys in the Olympics, and and that's kind of my thing. So let's let's figure out that. If I were the NHLPA, like I'd put my foot down and be like, "Look, we'll play in your money making uh, World Cup of Hockey tournament, but we're gonna need to go to the Olympics on the back end." So 
that's what I would like to see personally uh, more than anything is, is the Olympics. We'll see how that all pans out, but uh, yeah, that would, that would be my hope and my request uh, for us. I have no doubt that uh, that's all going to be linked up together. They're talking about doing this world championship every couple of years. And of course the Olympics every four years will come up and I'm sure that uh, all of that's going to be in one, in one deal. Like you, you suggest, I don't think there's any question that the NHL will be obligated to go to the Olympics on a regular basis and have this once once we'll play and the next we won't kind of deal. And I'm sure the players are excited about that. I mean, uh, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews have yet to play on the international stage really for uh, any consequential. Contest. Don't forget about team North America. I don't, I don't yeah, count that. Cup of hockey. <laughs> I don't count that nonsense. I mean, Canada won the tournament. Uh, I'll remind you, but team Europe and team, under 23 didn't like that at all and and we won't see that we're going to see nations playing under their flags except for like i said the russian contingents they got to figure out how that's going to work but i'm pleased that at least they're talking about this and it, it looks like it's got a really good chance of happening within the next two years uh for the first one and other news aj i know we're going to talk about the the florida panthers as part of our look at the atlantic division next week but there were a few contract signings a lot of veterans are signing finally signing on for league minimum or just above to extend their careers. But there was one signing that caught my eye, Spencer Knight of the Florida Panthers. He's in a goaltending tandem with Sergei Bobrovsky, who's on the books for $10 million. So it kind of uh, caught my attention when he signed for three years at $4.5 million per. And uh, that makes this this pairing in the Nets the most expensive one in the entire National Hockey League. I, I think Knight, uh, I don't know if he's proven himself yet. I mean, he's only one full season into his career, but he managed to hit the pay window in a big way. And uh, I, I think it's a little bit early to, to give him that kind of money uh, when I haven't really seen a full season of uh, number one goaltending from him. He, he didn't have the job last year. It was Bobrovsky's to lose, and Bobrovsky played the lion's share of the playoff game. So I think it was an overpay, and uh, I thought we were done with the overpayment of contracts, but uh, here we are with another one, in my opinion. What say you? Yeah, I mean, it felt a, a little bit strange, um, to, to be honest with you. But I do think that's kind of the way the market's trending a little bit. I mean, I would expect Jeremy Swayman to get about a, a similar deal when his entry-level contract runs out. Um, so, you know, I think it's just kind of the the tough spot they're in. The, I think the, you know, complicating factor here is, as you said, that's a lot of money to be giving, you know, a potential backup. You know, Bobrovsky's under contract for the extent of this new deal that they signed, um, you know, signed Spencer Knight to. So you're going to pay this guy four point five million for three years starting starting next season to sit behind Bobrovsky or even to share the net with Bobrovsky, who's making ten million against the cap. You know, that's that's just a huge number. Um, They'll get some cap relief next year in the terms of uh, you know, Keith Yandel's buyout dropped significantly, so that should help them a little bit. Um, you know, the the Patrick Hornquist deal will be over, so they won't be paying him. He's earning like 5.3 against the cap. So they have some space to make this move, but I still, I agree, Paul, it seems like a lot to give uh, a backup, frankly. AJ, uh, I'm a little unnerved by the number of big names that are already sidelined or just injured. 
uh, in the early days of training camp or even before training camp, I mean, these players have had the whole summer to get healthy in a lot of cases. And I know there's injuries that linger from the last season and long playoff for some teams. I can cut a guy like a Gabriel Landeskog, a mulligan here, because he played right into the end of June and early July. And now starting the season with a lower body injury, uh, it dates back to last season. But he's not the only big star that's sidelined. Three other big names on their respective teams all follow suit. Brock Besser likely out to start start the season on the sidelines with the Canucks just after signing a big contract extension himself. He had late a hand surgery. He's out till late October. Kirill Kaprasov not skating for the Wild. He got hit uh, by a puck on his hand, so we don't know the extent of that injury, at least on my end. Maybe you have more. Uh, and today, this morning, John Tavares of my, my Maple Leafs uh, with an oblique strain, he's going to miss the, at least the next three or four weeks. I, I don't understand how come some uh, so an injury like Tavares has taken place. Certainly, the other a couple of guys get hit by pucks in their early exhibitions and things happen, but I'm, I'm a little unnerved about, about the oblique strain for a guy who uh, is a meticulous meticulous about his off-season training program and you know one game into his exhibition schedule he gets an injury like this uh it's gonna uh, cause all four of these teams to juggle lines because all four of these top players are top six forwards and we're going to tell you who they're going to be playing with or who's going to be replacing them in the coming weeks for sure before the serious shooting starts but i i'm a little upset about the number of players who are are on the on the injury list already i would say for me like the the most annoying one probably is is brock besser when you have you know the initial reports that that we saw after the injury was he was considered day-to-day and he might return to practice that was on the the 25th might return to practice and then on the 26th he had hand surgery he's gonna be out three to four weeks like why why did we call this day-to-day in the first place um there's a there's another one josh anderson uh, is is class? They call them day to day with an upper body injury, but he's not skating at all. The fact that he's not skating would seem to me to be anything less than than day to day. No answer on that. And look, we don't know right now. I don't. I don't want to say yet that we're we're at this point. But Kaprasov, you know, oh, you know, he's taken out for precautionary. They basically had to like force him to leave the game. It, you know, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Okay, we're we're on Tuesday now. He's not skating, not going to play in these preseason games. Like, are we going to find out that he needs hand surgery in another two to three days here too? So, like, I I'm fine with the upper body, lower body. I know a lot of people complain about that that there's not a lot of detail from the league, but I don't like when we're going to stick and call a guy day to day and oh yeah, minor stuff day to day. He'll be back soon, and then it ends up being way more serious. Like, just say you don't know if you don't know how long he might be out or, or if you know, he's going to be out for at least a week, say he's going to be out for at least a week. Like we don't, we don't need to, you know, jump around like we have been so far this preseason. AJ, I can't, uh, I can't agree with you more. I think the NFL does a better job than any of the other sports getting the level of detail that they do on a, on the player injuries. And that, that's a long and old story for me, but I think we've talked about it every year uh, in the early going. And when are the other leagues going to realize there's a lot of money being plunked down in the NFL, and yet they report every hangnail that any <laughs> lineman gets uh, on their injury reports. They're the longest injury reports of any league by far, but they're most informative in terms of the, the type of injury and the timelines. And, and 
as consumers and fans, we are owed the same courtesy by these other sports if they expect us to participate in the way that the NFL gets a lot of people participating in their games. And, you know, the gambling side of it is, is, is a huge part of that, AJ. And, I mean, we can't tiptoe around the subject anymore. It's everywhere, and it's very prevalent, and it's part of the way people – a big part of the way that a lot of people consume sports. And I think it's high time that the other leagues really get that notion through their thick skulls and, and be very fulsome in terms of d- revealing the information. I mean, they can say, oh, players can get targeted. Well – there's more contact in the NFL than any other sport, too. So I don't buy that malarkey for a second. So, I mean, we used to have a rant of the day component to this show. <laughs> I guess this is a rant that I, I, I'll include in this discussion, but I really feel, feel strongly about that issue. In any case, my, my friend, we're here. Most, most important today is give our listeners a preview, the third such preview of all the teams in the Metro Division. I know you're geared up for this one because we're going to eventually get to talk about your favorite club, but we have a few teams to get through before that. And as always, we're going to refer to the last year's final standing and give you the depth charts of, of each team as we see them today. They're going to evolve over the course of the season. And of course, we're here on a weekly basis to provide updates in that regard. But we're going to give you what we have so far, uh, two weeks away from the beginning of the season, for how these teams line up. So AJ, why don't you kick us off with a look at the Carolina Panthers and the uh, Carolina Hurricane, I should say. I talk about NFL too much. Carolina Hurricane, <laughs> who finished first in this division with 116 points last year. Talk about the forwards, please. Yeah, so, I mean, up at the top, pretty much the same as what we're used to last year. Tivo Teravainen going to be on the top line with Sebastian Ajo. And then Seth Jarvis, who really had a breakout campaign last year. Um, the nice part for Carolina is that they're a little flexible here. Teravainen can move to the other side. Andrei Svechnikov could move up to the first line if if they want to do that. But I think Seth Jarvis gives them that ability. Um, you know, 40 points in a rookie campaign last year, really solid numbers. His power play, like ice diamond numbers are down a little bit, but I would expect that to maybe creep up this year um, as they give him more responsibilities, uh, you know, now that his, he's beyond his rookie season. For now, we've got Andrei Sveshnikov on that second line with new addition Paul Stastny, who had 45 points in 71 games last year, um, comes over from uh, you know from the the Blues or I'm sorry from the Jets last year, right, right, um, and then again another one who could be you know it could be Jarvis or Stastny potentially uh, on that number one power play unit. Martin Nekash is on the right wing as we see it. Andre Kasha, who's a new addition from your Leafs, could be a factor there as well. I think the interesting part about the Stastny acquisition is that your favorite player, Jesperi Kotkanemi, drops down potentially all the way to a fourth-line role here. Just 29 points in 66 games last season. Um, you know, he... It, it could go either way. Jordan Stahl right now, we have him penciled in at the third line with Fast. And then we have Kotkanemi with Jordan Martinhook and probably either Lane Patterson or uh, Ryan Zingle. So I think that center position is a little up in the air, especially for the third line. We'll see how that goes. Of course, they made the big acquisition in bringing in Max Pacioretty um, in a salary cap acquisition. And then, of course, he 
uh, has to have Achilles surgery in August. You know, we're looking at at least mid-February. It could be certainly longer for him to get back in. So uh, he might be one of those uh, those infamous playoff additions uh, based on how long that that might linger. Um, you know, he'll he'll be their, their trade deadline acquisition only because he comes back into the roster. So that's the, you know, de- uh, the forward group here, Paul. I don't know if you have anything to add or if you want to rebut the uh <laughs> the Kotkanemi comments but i know you know i do i'm yeah. i'm jumping out of my skin to do so because friend of the show at real kid poker poker daniel negrano i i think of him every time we talk about Kotkanemi because he chided me uh before last season when i said this guy's never going to amount to a top six player and and he's very overrated uh, the time in montreal sure certainly you can say he was young and uh you know he had to get his feet wet in the league and you'd see eventually that he would, some people thought he's going to be top six forward in this league. Well, now we're into year four and they're projecting him as a fourth line player here. And looking at the depth chart, I don't know that he's going to make it beyond uh, Stahl, Stasny and Ajo ahead of him on the center of the depth chart, but maybe on the wings, he's got a chance to move up. I think right wing is, is the opportunity for a few players. So you mentioned Jarvis, Nextcash and Kasha, are all on the right side, penciled in the top three lines, but none of them is a big-time scorer yet. Sir Jarvis is getting, uh, you said, he had a nice season last year, 40 points in 68 games. He's getting the plum assignment with the top two guys. And then that's Cash, who's been a fine power play performer for this team and top six player on and off for much of his tenure there, a couple of years, is, is penciled in as the second guy. So, yes, Perry Kotkaniemi and Kasha and Lane Peterson are all, all in the mix to, to battle for that opportunity for top six. But I don't think he'll, uh, Kotkaniemi himself is going to move up on the center chart here anytime soon, even though he signed a nice contract extension. So that's the comment that I was anxious to make. Uh, and in addition, Max Pacioretty, who is one of the most overrated in, in fantasy players that I, uh, I encountered, Certainly when he's healthy, he's a good scorer. But AJ, his career has been dotted by nothing but injury problems year in, year out. And for my money, I put a big X through this guy at the top of the draft. And I'm going to do it again. And I think a lot of people will as well when they realize the earliest that he's expected to return is February of, of next uh, of the next calendar year. So uh, I, I like the forward group uh, in terms of the depth that they have here. And even they have Dezingle, they have Stepan and Drury and Noah and four guys who are competing for maybe depth positions. So they're stacked up front, but uh, there's some moving parts here and uh, we will be addressing them in the coming weeks, I'm sure. On the back end, it's a little more stable, even though they have one big signature addition and to add to the group, Jacob Slavin, Uh, pulled in 42 points last year Uh, another step up in terms of offensive production one of the best defensive defensemen in the league he's got a new partner out now and Brent Burns over from San Jose as a free agent 82 games played for the the veteran and uh, 54 points piled up as well he's in his late 30s but he hasn't slowed down offensively and this is a fantastic situation for him if he hasn't lost a step he's going to thrive in this partnership and behind that stacked group of forwards and uh, second pairing that is back for another run, uh, Brady Shea and Brett Pesci. Both of these guys can be penciled in for around 30 points each. 
and uh, very steady on the back end, good two-way pairing there. And then they have Ethan Bear, a young up-and-coming player who got his feet wet in Edmonton, and uh, is going to continue his development here uh, as he signed on. He's played 58 games last year, only 14 points. I think that's only scratching the surface of what this guy is capable of offensively. I see more. And then they brought in Dylan Coughlin to round up the top six. From Vegas, they picked him up uh, as a free agent, 13 points in 59 games there. They got Calvin DeHaan up on a PTO. They've got Jake Gardner sidelined with a hip injury. I think he, his career is done, AJ. So that's the, the makeup of this back end. What say you about them? And then lead us into the goalie talk. I don't really have much more to add. That was a pretty good rundown. We'll see how Burns can fit in with this club offensively, um, whether that takes away opportunities from Slavin or, or Shkay. Um, but uh, somebody's going to lose some some opportunities, that's for sure, when you add Brent Burns to your team, just the nature of the beast. In goal, we should see pretty, pretty much, I think, the same breakdown as we did last year. Freddie Anderson uh, made 51 starts for the team, 35 wins in those outings. Antti Ranta made 26 starts. A few other guys factored in when, when injuries popped up, but I think we'll see about the same workload. I'd expect Freddie Anderson to be right around 50 maybe up up to 55, uh, and then Ranta gets the rest, you know, obviously barring injuries here or there, but um, should be the same tandem. I would expect we'll still see another quality year by, by Freddie Anderson here. No reason to think that his numbers can't live up to uh, what he did last year, uh, at, at least in my mind. Yeah, you know that I'm high on Freddie. Uh, I've got a really good look at for him, a good feel for him while he was in Toronto for a few years. And he's coming off a knee injury. And, you know, the, the thing that's got to make Carol- Carolina hierarchy feel good is that they saw Antti Ranta play admirably well in his absence. And uh, with the 245 goals against in the games, that 24 decisions that he had in his own uh, regular season before, a pretty nice playoff uh, as well. I mean, they didn't go as far as they would have liked, but... It was, I don't think you can put in the blame on Ranta. And so they have a very good one-two punch here, veteran presence, both both sides every night. It's the, the Carolina team can expect a quality performance from the goaltending. They also are one of the better teams in keeping the shot count low. So that's also going to help these guys in their statistics. Uh, Freddie Anderson with a 217 goals against, anti-Ranta 245. I expect them to be right around those numbers again this season. Over in Columbus, they have some high hopes after a season where they have finished sixth with 81 points last year. AJ, a big signing, the biggest one maybe in the offseason. Johnny Goodrow surprised all of us with his decision to leave Calgary and move to Columbus. I thought that he would go elsewhere and uh, to one of the top teams that were maybe looking for uh, help. But he decided on Columbus, and he uh, lo- is looking forward to playing across the ice from uh, Patrick Laine on the opposite wing. Uh, Laine, 56 games last year, 56 points. Boone Jenner looks like he's going to be penciled in as the number one center there. And so that makes him immediately more valuable than than uh, you might ordinarily think. He's coming off a season where he had 43 points. Playing with these guys, if he can stay healthy, he only played 59 games last year. I think he could be at least upwards of 60 points. But health with him is another concern. And uh, if he falters, I think Jack Roslovic is the guy that would move up. Roslovic, for his part, 45 points on the ledger there in 82 games played. I think he's a guy that will hold on to the uh, top six role in the middle of the ice. 
and he will be partnered with Jacob Voracek, one of the better playmaking wingers. Six goals on the ledger, about 56 assists in 79 games last season. I expect a little more balance between those numbers, maybe looking for him to threaten the 20-goal mark and maybe getting 40 to 45 assists instead this season. And Gustav Nyquist rounds out the top six here, coming off a 53-point season and 82 games played. So a pretty nice-looking top six. The only concern there I have is Boone Jenner, AJ, as the nine, number one center. I think they should be aiming for better than that, but uh, who knows, maybe his number numbers should improve with the wingers that he's playing with. The rest of the components, AJ, I'll let you touch on some of them, including the PTO with James Neal, if you think he's going to make this team. But what say you about the, the rest of the forward group here? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of guys that we've seen uh, in the past. You know, we talked a lot about Jacob Vorsak last year. Um, really good statistical season overall. Um, obviously, the goals were a little light, just six in 79 games. That's his lowest uh, goal total ever, but he also had 56 assists, you know, so it's hard to really complain about that season, right? Um, 25 of his, you know, 62 points came uh, with the man advantage. So, you, again, you know, you'd like a little more goal scoring out of him, but if you don't need it, then, you know, whatever. It's it's not a big deal if you're going to send that many assists in. Uh, one guy that could be a, a goal scoring threat for them, Kirill Marchenko comes over from the KHL put up 20 points in 39 games for them last year has been a player that they've talked about for a while. We've got him penciled in for the third line, but everything's pretty uh, flexible right now for them. Matthew Oliver comes over from Nashville and a kind of highly touted prospect that hasn't really, you know, hit the next level yet. And then, as you mentioned, James Neal is in there on a PTO. They've got Sean Corrali, Victor, uh, Victor Rask is also there on a, on a tryout. So they've got a number of kind of veteran guys competing for spots as well. And I really think it's a matter of like Ken Oliver or Marchenko or even Ken Johnson, who uh, played on the first line last night. Obviously, Boone Jenner didn't play, so that's part of it. But, um, you know, can these guys take a step forward or do we need these other kind of veteran guys to, to come in? So this is probably one of the most influx groups, I, in my opinion, that we've talked about so far in these preseason shows. There, there's a lot of questions to be answered still in the forward complement here. I'll dive us into the blue line. Obviously, they will be headed uh, by Zach Wierenski, uh, 48 points last year in 68 games. Adam Bolquist is another one who added some offensive upside. I think we'd like to see a little bit more out of him, but 22 points in 52 games. Um, Andrew Peak, not an offensive guy, but he'll, you know, be the one who backs up Wierenski. At least that's how we have them penciled in to start. And then Gavrikov will support Boquist. Gavrikov with a little more upside than Peak. He had 33 points in 80 games last year. So there's a couple of players in here. They brought over Eric Branson from Calgary. Uh, Harper, uh, Ben Harper from Nashville is in on a PTO as well, although he's dealing with an injury right now that could hurt his chances to secure a roster spot. Um, I think Jake Bean could be another offensive piece. So, you know, we talk about this all the time, but you've got Wierenski, either Gavrikot or Bachwist, and then Jake Bean. So kind of each line or each combo has a more offensively gifted player. Um, if they feel like Andrew Peak is not living up to expectations, I would not be surprised to see Good Branson play with Wierenski. He's got a game that would really suit pairing up for uh, with Wierenski, in my opinion. AJ, what I'm looking forward to here is the power play unit. You've got Wierenski is going to be their power play quarterback. You've got 
Gaudreau and and uh, Voracek and uh, Patrick Liney among the forward complement there. Uh, Voracek going to be the trigger man in terms of passing the puck around to a lot of these opportunists. And uh, Gustav Nyquist, I figure, will be part of the mix here too. So uh, I, I would focus on those players and the fact that they'll have a, they should have a pretty nice looking power play. You mentioned on the back end, Morensky. I think he's a guy that will top the 48 points that he got last season. I expect him around the 55-point mark in a full slate of games should he stay healthy. He only got 68 games in and got 48 points. I think he'll, he should top that if he's healthy, like I said. And uh, Bean could be the dark horse producer on the back end, Gavrikov as well, and Bokus, two other credible options. So uh, no shortage of opportunities for people to pick up offensive pieces late in the draft here on the back end from Columbus. Then in the net mining situation, AJ, it's a familiar partnership. Elvis Merzlikens and Junis Corposalo are the tandem. Uh, Merzlikens is, is pulled away from Corposalo. I think about a year ago we were thinking about a split in that, but Merzlikens has full control of the net, in my opinion. He was involved with 57 decisions, had a 322 goals against, 90.7% save percentage. Corposalo had an injury-riddled year, and when he was healthy, he didn't perform very well. The 415 goals against average, one of the highest among the backup goalies in the entire league. The save percentage, one of the worst at 87.7%. I'm suggesting to you that he's got some work to do to hold on to the second job, never mind looking at number one. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So I'll just dive us into the New Jersey Devils uh, forward compliment here. It's looking like first line will be Thomas Tatar with Nico Heischer and Jasper Bratt. We do need to keep an eye on Nico Heischer. It sounds like he's going to return during the preseason here. But, of course, this is another one where, um, you know, they originally said, oh, he leaves the game for precautionary reasons, right? It, uh, left the, Our last note, our previous note before today said, uh, left the game due to cramps and the team elected to withhold him for the rest of the night as a precaution. Now, today, Lindy Ruff tells reporters, oh, he's going to undergo some tests just to make sure everything is good. Should be back in the preseason. So some, some isn't adding up here, in, in my opinion. But um, it uh, still sounds like he'll be back, you know, in time for opening night. And that will have him as the first line center here with Tatar and Brat. Second line is going to get a huge upgrade, in my opinion, compared to what they had last year. As Andre Palat comes over from Tampa, he had 49 points in 77 games last year and should provide um, another element to play along Jack Hughes. And then Dawson Mercer right now is our right wing guy. But I think there's a number of players that could be in the mix with this. Andreas Johansson, Fabian Zetterlin, Nathan Bassian, all of them, uh, Igor Sharangovich. I think any one of those guys could challenge Dawson Mercer for that spot. We've got, uh, you know, uh, Eric Halla likely centering the third line. I think that's a good pickup for them as well. I like how they've got kind of their, their young one, too. And then a veteran uh, as their third third center here. So uh, I really like this forward compliment. I think they've got a lot of uh, offensive upside here. They made some really smart additions without kind of overhauling the whole system, in my opinion. Uh, so as long as Heischer isn't out for you know any length of time, I, this could be a very dangerous New Jersey team heading into the season. Yeah, they have some depth options that are going to threaten top six minutes. I'm surprised right now that your Sharon Govich is listed as a, as a third line winger. I see him more as a top six forward here. And I think uh, Tatar and Palat, well, Palat's locked in as a top six as well. I think Tatar is the one that's going to have to perform a lot better than he did last year with 30 points. Sharon Govich out, outscored him with 24 goals and 22 assists. 
So I think you could easily see those two flipping positions. Halla gives him a nice look as the third line center as well behind the two youngsters who will be the top two centers here for a long, long time, they hope. And Nathan Bastian holding down the third line right wing. I think he should feel threatened by the likes of Fabian Zetterlund and Andreas Johnson. Uh, who are listed right right now on the fourth line in um, this situation. They even have some other guys who are in the fringes who should contend for spots and be good injury replacements. And Michael McLeod, they got Wood and Sinitian as well, rounding out their forward complement. It's it's deeper than it's been in a long time, and that's one of the biggest reasons for optimism for New New Jersey to take a big step forward this season. On the back end, AJ, it's a bit of a different story for me. They're, they're a little bit of a step behind the forward depth, but they're getting there, I think, too. Joe, Jonas Siegenthaler uh, is now looking as at a first-pairing partnership with Dougie Hamilton. That should increase his numbers. Hamilton lost 20 games to injury last year and had a subpar year offensively. You can almost uh, suggest that he might uh, do 50% better than the 30 points that he got last year. I think he's a lock to get 45 to 50 should he stay healthy this year. He made a ch- missed 20 games, like I said. And so I expect him to be obviously the power play quarterback here along with that first pairing minutes. And then Ryan Graves and Damon Severson, both of these guys have offensive capabilities as well. Severson, 46 points, uh, actually was the highest point scorer among New Jersey defensemen and a second option uh, to drive the power play minutes. And then the third pairing, Brendan Smith from over from Carolina and John Marino, who had some time with your favorite club uh, in the past, round out the top six here, AJ, and really give this team a deeper look on the blue line than they've had in years. They're also giving Thomas Hickey a, uh, a tryout situation to see if he can garner maybe the seventh spot here. But otherwise, they're looking for a couple of uh, – guys to break through. Geertsen and Nemitz are two contenders for the depth chart uh, on the defense here. It's deeper than it's been in years, and they've got some insurance policies there as well. I think Thomas Hickey is literally here to see like if Nemec is ready to play, right? He's second overall pick in 2022. Like, Is he ready to go right from the onset? Um, and if he's not, then Thomas Hickey is here and they'll sign him to a permanent deal. Um, so I, that that's how I potentially see that yeah. situation folding out. In between the nets, they've got a, a pretty nice upgrade, in my opinion, here as well. Vitek Vanasek comes over uh, technically in a trade, but then they re-signed him to, to a three-year deal. Um, relatively cost-effective. $10.2 million was the overall cost here. Uh, and I think... And, you know, this might be one of the few goaltending battles. Um, you know, there have only really been a handful that we've talked about where it's like, you know, maybe there's not a clear number one here. Um, this could be it. I think Vanasek enters the season as the, you know, as the leader in the clubhouse here, as it were, um, for that spot. Mackenzie Blackwood just has struggled with injuries, has really not, you know, he had an okay sophomore campaign, 22, 14, and 8 in 47 games back in 2019-20, but has really, you know, been limited overall. His goals against average in each of the last two years has been over three. Um, Save percentage has been, you know, last year under 900 even. So I think Vanasek comes in and gives them an upgrade here. Maybe he can bring Blackwood along with with him and, and upgrade, you know, upgrade both of them through competition here. Um, but overall, I do think Vanasek enters the season as the number one option here. But it's going to be close. I don't think he has a firm grip on that spot 
at least not coming out of training camp. Yeah, if you're looking for a goalie split here, I see something like 45-37, and I, I too, am high on Blackwood. I think it's a better team in front of him, and if he's healthy, I think he's going to make a mincemeat out of those numbers that he had last year and do much better. And if he doesn't, the third guy in the mix is Jonathan Bernier, returning from offseason hip surgery. He had a year to forget last year with only nine decisions in total, and he's capable of being uh, a good support for these two guys if he's healthy. To have him in the wings waiting if someone one falters gives them a real good sense of depth here, again, at the goalie position. So, I, like I say, I think they've upgraded all three spots, and you could look for this team to be uh, upwardly mobile in the standing as a result. Uh, we're looking next at the New York Islanders. They finished fifth. They were outside, on the outside looking in last year with 84 points in total, and uh, they really didn't make too many changes in the offseason. AJ, I'm not really sure what's up with all of that, but uh, a lot of returning faces and very little movement in terms of the depth chart. So maybe they're just hoping that uh, in a few cases there were off-seasons. We're looking at the likes of Anthony Beauvillier, who had only 12 goals and 34 points, and Cal Palmieri with 33 points in 69 games. They're penciled in for the first-line wing opportunities uh, being centered by Brock Nelson, who is not a distributor of the puck. This guy's a shooter. 37 goals last year and only 22 assists, but he's he's locked in as one of the top two centers here. On the second line, they've got Anders Lee uh, on the wing, uh, Martin, Matthew Barzal in the center, and Justin Bailey on the right wing. Uh, again, only one of these three guys topped the 20 goal marks. So you can see they're banking on these players, for only two of whom top the 20 goal mark, to do better than those uh, off years, I'll say, and boost the offense here uh, organically and without outside interference. Beyond that, uh, in terms of depth options, Zach Parise and Jean-Gabriel Peugeot are two guys that they can count on for some secondary scoring. 35 points for Parise, 39 for Peugeot. Other than that, uh, they've got the hardest-hitting fourth line in hockey that's back again. Matthew, Matt Martin, Casey Zekas, and Cal Clutterbuck will make life miserable for anybody who's on the ice with those guys. you got to have your heads on a swivel with them. And then beyond that, uh, Soshnikov is back for another look from the KHL. And Kiefer Bellows uh, hoping to take a step in his development. Ross Johnson, uh, injury insurance, I suppose. So that's a look at 15 guys on their offense, Scott. AJ, I don't know if you want to speak to more about any of the others, but I think there was a lot of underproduction from a lot of veterans that they're looking for to get right at this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you like you said, you look at this lineup, it's, it's patently the same. You know, um, I, I think that top line that you mentioned, uh, all those guys, maybe Brock Nelson, his production was fine, but Palmieri and Bolivia, like they could definitely do better. Here, um, you know, Bailey, maybe you would want more than 44 out of him. Uh, and really, they're depth guys. You know, Peugeot didn't have a, a great year. He had some really ups and downs, some slumping portions. Um, they've obviously gotten younger on the blue line. Alexander Romanoff comes over, and that's replacing Andy Green and Zdeno Chara. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, Hard not to get younger when you, uh, you know, bring in a, a guy like Romanoff, who's, who's just 22 years old. Um, so I think maybe they'll be a little bit faster with Romanoff in there playing with Noah Dobson. And then, of course, you've still got Pellich and Pollock. Scott Mayfield is still around. Robin Sallow could come in. Sebastian Ajo, Dennis Cholowiski, all those guys kind of competing, I think, for one spot alongside Scott Mayfield. So, again, not a ton of additions, but I do think we'll see a slightly faster um, blue line here that maybe 
um, can help, you know, maybe help distribute the puck up to the forwards a little bit better. Uh, obviously, we know that these teams are going to be defensively minded, um, you know, based on, on how they're built and, and the coaching here. But um, I do think there's a, a move towards speed by bringing in a, a Romanoff compared to who they had on the lineup uh, in the past. Yeah, AJ, I know they've been married to the pairing of Pellick and Pullock for years as one of the top shutdown pairings, but we've often talked about teams that put an offensive-minded defenseman with a defensive-minded one. I would like to see Romanoff and Dobson split and each of them getting the play with one of Pellick and Pullock to give this team a little bit more of a dynamic look and a more normal look that we see around the league and certainly in terms of Romanoff I think this is a guy you can look at for a big leap in offensive numbers he only totaled 13 points but he's going to be counted on to boost the offense and he's going to get some power play time as well so look for his numbers to rise and rise dramatically in the nets behind all these guys Elias Sorokin is touted in some quarters one of the top goalies top young goalies in hockey he was involved in uh, about 52 decisions last year, winning 28 and uh, losing 18 and with eight overtime losses and shootout losses and that sort of thing. 240 was the goals against average, 92.5 the save percentage. Behind him, Semyon Varlamov, who is on the books for another year at Big Bunny, he had a losing season in terms of the record, 10 wins, 17 losses, so he's going to want to rectify that. The goals against average was a, t- a touch higher than you'd like as well at 290. Save percentage was in a reasonable spot at 91%, so uh, that's a pretty good pairing. Uh, I think Sorokin is going to be touted as the, the number one guy getting the lion's share of the stars, but they have a viable option in Gar- Barlamov, and they have insurance if Corey Schneider can come back and be healthy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much action Varlamov actually gets. Um, you know, it, it's you know he's a, a veteran goaltender that's been around for for a while. Stops with you know plenty of other places, Washington way back in the day, Colorado obviously as well. So interesting to see what the split looks like this year. I would trend towards it being a little bit more Sorokin than we saw last year, but we'll have to wait and see how that all works out. All right, well, let's take a break now. We'll be back with our look at the remaining teams in the Metro Division. On your, You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ, the fantasy hockey podcast of choice to people who want to win money in hockey pools everywhere. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. back but let me uh, pass it on to aj to give you a reminder of how you can listen to us and get in touch with us during the course of the week i know i had fielded a number of questions last week about people preparing for their hockey pools it's that time of year and we're all ears folks to give you our best advice on uh, things that you're considering in your drafting and league preparation process that we're all going through right now so aj what say you about that and also about our primary sponsor over at caesar sportbook 
Yeah, Paul, definitely. My best advice is to try Caesar Sportsbook. We've got the NFL season heading into week four. NHL preseason games are starting, if that's your thing. Otherwise, we're about two weeks away from the regular season. So today, anyone who is at least 21 years or old, uh, 21 years old, and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state, can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code Roto15. That's R O T O 15. The promo code gives new users a risk free bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbook or download the Caesar Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code Roto15 when signing up. Paul, as you mentioned, we had some great questions and uh, back and forth with some uh, listeners out there this week. Uh, and we love to have that interaction with you. As I always mention, we have this show live um, on Facebook. You can jump on there. You can also find it on my Twitter handle as well. If you're watching on Facebook, you can actually comment live with any questions that you might have, and we would answer those for you uh, during the show. But otherwise, on Twitter, you can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul at Stassman22. Very good. Well, let's continue with our rundown of the Metro Division clubs, AJ, and up next, the New York Rangers at uh, the four positions. I'll take us into that with a look at uh, a team that's made a couple of changes, but uh, they had some pretty good years out of several of the guys that are returning, and they look for the same sort of thing. Chris Kreider, with a career-first 50-goal season, leads the pack from his left-wing position on the top line. He had one of those Cy Young-type seasons, AJ, with 52 goals and only 27 assists, but he's there to put the puck in the net. And the guy that was setting up him up for a lot of those goals was Mika Zibanejad, whose numbers were almost the reverse, with 29 goals and 52 assists. Zibanejad, I can see getting a little, few more in the goal-scoring column if, uh, if he gets back uh, to shooting more a little bit, and he's certainly capable of 40, in fact. So I expect a big year from those two guys. And the lucky guy that gets to play them with him right now looks like it's Sammy Blay, who only got into 14 games last year. So he might be a guy that you consider a bit of a dark horse pick in the top six, but he right now is listed as the first-line right wing. So uh, they're expecting big things from him, and uh, so are we as long as he gets that assignment. But the, the whole right wing could be in flux, and some other guys down the line lineup could get those opportunities. So it bears there's listening to where we think those guys, who the, those guys are. We'll get to them shortly. In fact, I'll mention one right now. Vitaly Kravtsov only played 20 games last year. They're expecting him to continue to develop. And with a top six opportunity, there's every opportunity for him to really put up some big numbers there. At the moment, he's sends in a second line right wing. And uh, new center Vincent Trocek over from Carolina last year, 81 games played, 51 points. That He's a very good center proposition for a second line scoring role and defensively responsible as well. I, I tout him as one of the more ideal number two centers in the NHL. And maybe their most talented player uh, on this roster is Artemi Panarin. Uh, 96 points, maybe the quietest 90 po- 96 point season that I can recall in 75 games played. Rounds up the top six, AJ. They've got a raft of youngsters behind these guys why don't you tell us about a couple of those guys who are penciled in for third line roles and anybody else that you want to mention to threaten maybe even a top six opportunity or so yeah I think what we're seeing here you know you mentioned Blay and Kratzoff being in top six roles relatively untested at least last season but they had such like real good success having Alexis Lafreniere Philip Hedl 
and Capo Caco on one line, their, their kid line or youth line. I heard it called a couple different things. Um, those three seem to really gel well at points last season. So I think they want to see how they can go a full season together, because if those guys are clicking as a unit here, that that's really, I, I would call that like a two B line for them. Um, it's definitely not a, not necessarily a first line. Kreider, Zabinajad, and whoever you throw on the right wing is more of the, the first line here, but definitely a two B to compete. You know, if they really needed a goal, they could obviously move up Panarin uh, onto that first line with Kreider and Zabinajad or, or even Trocek. Trocek can play, wing as well so uh, a really good forward compliment here i don't really see anybody else on the rest of this lineup pushing for a top six barring any sort of injury um concerns there i i think they're pretty much set there um because this third line maybe they shuffle things up if the third line's not clicking together but uh, I, I think we'll see it at least get a, a pretty long lead here to start the season. Yeah, the only guy that I think I would add is Barkley Gaudreau, who signed for big money here. He got 33 points last year. They got to find a place for him in this lineup. Maybe he's the insurance guy for the, the guys that are listed on the right side. When they shuffle things up, he might fit in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's dealing with a bit of an injury, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be too serious. Has started skating, so I would expect we'll see him ready for the start of the season on the blue line. They've just kept the same group together. Uh, no real concerns here. No, no real additions as it were. Um, they've got Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox as their number one pairing. Obviously Fox is going to power play the number one quarterback 63 assists last year, just a ridiculous number. I don't see any reason we won't see more of that out of him. Second line, Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba, both offensively capable. And then they'll round out, looks like Zach Jones right now, who had 12 games last year, is likely to be on that bottom pairing. They brought in Matt Barkowski on a tryout to potentially, I think, provide some cover in in case, you know, maybe Jones uh, needs some more time to develop. And then Brandon, uh, Braden Schneider on the other side. So I really like this, uh, this blue line group. I think it's a pretty solid unit here. Um, no real concerns looking at it, at least from my perspective, you know, obviously Justin Braun is, um, you know, a player that they, they had for a portion of last year. Um, but I don't think he was around too long to really, you know, count him as, as a lost piece. He played just eight games, uh, with the Rangers before the postseason. Uh, I, I think the guy to keep an eye on here is Braden Schneider. First round draft pick last season. A lot of people like the two way nature of his game. He's also a physical guy. So, you know, I got time for that. 43 games played, only 11 points. I don't know where he gets a chance to move up because all the other guys ahead of him are good offensive pieces, maybe with the exception of Brian Lindgren. But he's such a sound defensive player. He's an excellent compliment for Adam Fox. So don't know how you break that up to give this guy a shot, but he's going to push for it. And I think he merits uh, a deep stash, at least in, in your pool planning. In the Nets, they have one of the best goalies in hockey, and Igor Shosturkin took a big step in his development last year and was in the discussion for the Vezina Trophy at the season's end, of course. And uh, Shosturkin with 36 wins, 13 losses, only four uh, overtime losses and shootout losses as well. The goals against was a spectacular 2.07. The save percentage of 9.35. It's no wonder this guy was in in the Vezina talks all season long and came away with it uh, over some 
uh, stellar opposition as well. Uh, he figures to be the runaway component here, number one component on the net mining situation, but he's got veteran Yarrow Halak behind him. He came over from Vancouver and looks uh, to be the veteran backup that will solidify the goaltending situation here. Uh, and then behind that, those two is Louis Domingue, a veteran from Pittsburgh. He played in the AHL most of, much of last season, uh, but the, that's good insurance behind Schuster and Shady Falter. And uh, uh, both of these guys could be late stashes. Halak, particularly, if anything happens to Shisterkin, Halak's, Halak's value will go up uh, exponentially here. Well, Paul, I'm going to slightly disagree with you here, only in the sense that I think Halak or or really Domingue would be fine as a number two backup to take back-to-backs and give Shisterkin a little break. But I think if Shisterkin gets hurt, you might as well just end this team season right away. I don't think Halak or Domingue is going to carry either one of these no, teams no, as, of as a potential starter. So um, it's Shisterkin or bust for them uh, this season, although it, it probably was – regardless of who the backup was anyway. In Philadelphia, uh, we'll take a look at the forward group here. Uh, right now, we've got uh, James Van Riemsdyk, Morgan Frost, and Travis Konechny as the top line, although easily could be flipped with Scott Lawton, Kevin Hayes, and Cam Atkinson. So maybe more of a 1A, uh, 1B situation for them. Biggest news for their forward group is the back injury to Sean Couturier facing upwards of three months, although, you know, latest reports have that going a little bit slower or a little bit quicker, rather, so it's hard to really predict where he fits in. And that has them kind of scraping the barrel here in terms of PT, uh, PTOs. They brought Cal O'Reilly in just the other day, has been out of the NHL since 2017-18. Uh, Artem Anisimov is back on, on a PTO in line for probably a fourth line job, although he's dealing with an injury here as well. And then Antoine Roussel is another player here with the Flyers on a PTO. So they have really um, kind of tried to find anything as like stop gaps. There's a number of guys who are going to try and earn spots on this roster here. Um, And it it begs the question, you know, who are they most concerned about? Uh, you know, these youngsters that they have, Owen Tippett, Zach McElwain, Noah Cates, uh, even Joel Farabee I'll throw in there as well. Like, clearly they're not at 100% whole, uh, sold on a lot of these guys given the number of PTOs they have in camp right now. Yeah, and I'll only add one sleeper pick here. They're pretty high on Hayden Hodgson, who had a nice year in the AHL with 31 points in 46 games played. People say that he's looked good in the early training sessions and a couple of exhibition game opportunities uh, for the Flyers. I think there's a lot of auditioning that's going to go on in the early going. Clearly the center position's in flux. A great opportunity for Morgan Frost to solidify his position. He's formerly a first-round draft pick and uh, had a so-so season so far last year and slow development as a pro so far, but he's still a youngster, and I think he's going to dwarf his prior numbers if he gets a regular look on the second line here, particularly playing between noted sniper JVR, who has lost a step but still in close, one of the better 
uh, puck handlers, and then Travis Connecting, who coming off a bit of an up off year with, where he did tally 52 points, but he's got to do a lot better than the 16 goals that he scored last year. So I look for Frost to be an igniter here. They're going to get a healthier Kevin Sh- uh, Hayes back at center. So the center position has been decimated. You mentioned Couturier being out of the lineup, but I look for Frost and Hayes to do their best to fill in uh, that gap and uh, really the opportunities for the PTOs. Uh, Anisimov looks like the best bet here, but I don't expect any of those three guys to be lights out at the center position over the other guys I mentioned. Yeah, on the back end, they brought in Tony D'Angelo uh, from Carolina, who came up, uh, comes off a 51 point season in four, 64 games. I think he's going to be hard pressed to reach those numbers in in on a in a lesser situation in Philadelphia. He's not surrounded by the level of talent in Philly as he was in Carolina, clearly. And he's got another guy that he's going to be sharing power play responsibilities with in Ivan Provorov, who is coming off his own offseason with 31 points in 79 games. Rasmus Ristolainen, another credible offensive piece, but he's uh, not performing anywhere near the contract or the experience that he has under his belt. An offseason last year of only 16 points in 66 games. That looks like one of the worst contracts in hockey right now, Age, unless he gets that shit righted. And rounding out the top four, Travis Sanheim, the youngest of these guys on the back end, coming off a 31-point season. Maybe the only guy that gets a passing grade uh, from me uh, in this mix, uh, leaving D'Angelo aside because he's a newcomer. But the other three guys, the other two guys had negative years in terms of their impact on this club for my money. And uh, another note, Ryan Ellis is uh, got a back injury. That's going to keep him out of the seat uh, out for the season. If he was healthy, he'd be a guy that would be definitely in the mix, but they're going to be looking for answers on this back end. And it's going to reflect on, on the goalie tandem again. Well, the two things I'll add here is first of all, that word from Paul was ship as in a boat. So don't, uh, don't hit us with an explicit rating that was ship <laughs> righted with a P there at the end. And then, uh, <laughs> The uh, the thing with bringing in Tony D'Angelo, like him and John Tortorella could work really well or it could explode in fantastic fashion. There's <laughs> going to be something to monitor there and see what happens. But uh, it, I think that honestly could go either way. Like they could either just gel really well and he could bring out a really good side of D'Angelo or those two are going to butt heads and, and it's going to blow up in their faces at some point here. On the back end, It'll be Carter Hart as the number one netminder here, um, you know, dealing with a little bit of a lower body injury at the start of the season. Again, missed the scrimmage day to day. It's still not cleared to play, but he is going to practice. Like, again, he's trending in the right direction, so I'm not expecting an impact, but uh, I don't know if day to day was the right initial classification here. And right now we've got Troy Grosinick penciled in as his backup. They do have Felix Sandstrom on the team here as well. Um, but I think it's going to be gross Nick. And the one thing, first look at his numbers, you're going to look and be like, this guy's played four NHL games since coming in, like turning pro back in 2013, 14. Um, and that's certainly a fair criticism of his, you know, NHL career thus far, but you look at his AHL numbers He's got multiple 20-win seasons. He's actually got a 30-win season with San Jose with the, the Barracuda back uh, in 2016-17. Uh, last year, just played in 30 games for AHL Providence, 16 wins over that stretch. I mean, this guy actually has some really good numbers um, to, to point to 
and just hasn't been able to break into it. I mean, you look at when he was with San Jose, you've got Marty Jones is the number one there back when Marty Jones was good. Uh, then he goes to the Admirals. They've got, uh, obviously, they have Pecorena and UC Saros at the same time. So I think just hasn't really been given an opportunity to get an extended look as an NHL backup here. Um, and I like the addition of him. He's not a youngster, obviously, 33 years of age. So he actually provides a little bit of a veteran presence to kind of counter Carter Hart here, who is still only 24 years old. Uh, so I actually really like Grosnick as the backup here. Obviously, I'm not taking him in fantasy, right? Like Carter Hart's going to see most of the games. Um, but I would expect, you know, Grosnick maybe uh, 25-ish, 25 around that that area to, to take. AJ, I'm not going to talk much about the forward ranks in, in Pittsburgh. I want to leave that to you since you're the expert in-house on that club. They finished third in the division with 103 points last year and not too many changes among the top nine skaters, but I'm intrigued by the addition of Brian Poling and Josh Archibald and Drake Kajula, all guys that have been around the league for various lengths of time and all guys that are good insurance against injury to the top six, in my opinion. So I think they have a very smart looking group here. Uh, What say you about the forward compliment, the way it lines up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously the most of the attention this season uh, is actually not going to be on the first line. In my opinion, it's going to be on the second line with Evgeny Malkin and everything with that off season contract, the back and forth, um, I will tell you this, you know, in, in most games that you watch over the course of his career, when other teams got Evgeny Malkin mad, that's when he played his best. Well, now his own organization made him mad. So it, <laughs> it could be a, a good year for Malkin. He's another, you know, offseason removed from that knee surgery. Um, by all counts, skating really well this season. They're going to put him with Brian Russ at least to start. They're going to put Ricard Raquel, who they re-signed, on the top line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. And then Jason Zucker gets the left wing assignment here. It's going to be up to him to have a really good year. I don't think we're going to see Kasperi Kapanen get any kind of extended looks in the top six unless there's an injury here. He projects to pair up with Jeff Carter on the third line, though both of them are kind of dealing with issues right now. Brock McGinn rounds that out. I agree. I like the additions of Archibald and pulling a little more veteran uh, fourth line here for them. Danton Heinen still on the team, Kajula, and really the only youngster kind of in the mix to make this team. Uh, other than that is, is Drew O'Connor, who's a guy they really like, um, is, is a huge guy. I think that's probably part of it too. Although maybe I'm confusing him with Redeem Zahorna. Let me check his, <laughs> check his stats here. Six, three. So he's not huge, but he's not small. Um, but he's got a pretty good offensive game. He's shown in the minors, had 32 points in 33 games last year. So I think they're looking for him to take the next step in his development and whether he can secure an opening night roster spot kind of remains to be seen here. The only worry that I have, AJ, is they have three guys on the wrong side of 30 as their sentiment here. And uh, I, I think polling is, is insurance against injury to any of them. In my opinion, uh, that's his path to, to more ice time here. But you won't want, wouldn't want to see it at the expense of Messrs. Crosby, Malkin, or even Carter. So uh, fingers crossed for you and fans <laughs> that they can stay healthy in the middle of the ice and drive this offense, which, as I say, has a lot of nice pieces in it for sure. On the back end, it's also some familiar faces, but some new ones as well. Jeff Petrie, uh, the biggest offseason addition here. And I think this is a really good situation if he's healthy. He could really be... I think the second best producing 
offensive-minded defenseman here. He had an off year with Montreal, only 27 points in 68 games. He, he could double that if he returns to form in Pittsburgh. I really think that's possible. Latang, of course, driving the bus offensively, 68 points, an outstanding year for one of my favorite players who doesn't wear the blue and white in the NHL. And that, that was done in 78 games. You wish him uh, another opportunity to do the same thing as he did last year. His longtime partner is Brian DeMullen. Don't expect him to be in a lot of scoring highlights, but the defensive conscience of that parent pairing. A youngster among the defensive components here that could be an offensive upside is Marcus Pedersen with 19 points last year. I think he's capable of more. Then the depth here on the back end, AJ, Ty Smith and John Ruta are new faces that figure to be the third pairing guys. Uh, what do you think about their addition? And what do you think about Petrie's upside here? Yeah, I agree. It's kind of, you know, they, for lack of a better term, they they sold high on Mike Matheson, who had a really good year and bought low on Jeff Petrie, uh, while also getting a little bit taller, a little more, uh, maybe not taller, but a little more physical. Um, that was one kind of criticism of the Penguins blue line last season. It, it lacked a little bit of physicality. Jan Ruta will obviously factor into that as well. Um, he's not a, a player that's used to being or usually seen pushed around in front of the net. That's for sure. And then you mentioned Ty Smith. Really, that spot probably is, you know, being kind of penciled, earmarked for Ty Smith or Pierre Oliver Joseph. Um, either one of those guys kind of being expected to take the next step in their development. But obviously, Mark Friedman and Chad Ruido. A uh, little more veteran guys that that aren't going to just uh, roll over and, and give those spots. But um, like I said, that third pairing spot, probably right now, they're hoping that either Smith or Joseph will show something in camp to take it over. On the back end, uh, more of the same, uh, you know, same same guys in the same place. Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith will be the tandem here. Obviously, you know, we can say this a million times, and I feel like every season we have Jari – Regular season's great. It's fine. Um, what needs to happen is the the postseason here. Um, obviously, didn't play the first six games against the Rangers. Uh, I had just seen a report that uh, that that game seven that he did come into, like he couldn't even get his food in foot into a boot for like a, a couple weeks after that game. Uh, so really forced himself to play in that game, thinking that the Penguins needed him. Casey DeSmith was obviously sidelined at the same time as well. Um, so they're going to need uh, really health from the netminders. That's the key. And instead of Louis Domingue this year, they've got Dustin Tokarski, who will be, you know, kind of the, the third goalie, uh, in, you know, break, <laughs> break glass in case of emergency goalie uh, for the Penguins here. All right, AJ, the final team we're going to look at this week in the Metro Division is one of the nemesis for you guys every year. Washington Capitals, four, fourth place last year, 100 points. They were right neck and neck with the Pens all season long, and I think they might like to hope that's a possibility again. But uh, out of the shoot, they have some injury concerns as well. Up front with uh, Tom Wilson dealing with a knee injury, Nicholas Backstrom with a hip injury and surgery, and Nick Haglin with an eye surgery. So that's three veteran components missing at the outset for this team. So more pressure on a couple other veterans to carry the load. And typically we begin on in talk of Washington with Alex Ovechkin coming off yet another 50 goal season, 
77 games played, 90 points in total. So he'll look to replicate that, and he really pressure on him to do so to fan their their playoff hopes this season. He's going to get to play with Evgeny Kuznetsov, who had 74, 78 points in 79 games, point a game player at center. But he, as I said, without Nicholas Backstrom, there'll be a real focus by opponents to check this unit. Connor Brown gets an opportunity moving over from Ottawa to play top line minutes here. I don't know if that's the right move for, for him. He's never been a top line guy uh, in prior stops in Toronto and uh, and. Uh, and Ottawa, where he got 39 points in 64 games, but certainly a very good defensive conscience if they're looking for that to balance their offensive exploits up front. On the second unit, Connor McMichael's being looked at to take the next step in his development, coming off a season with 18 points in 68 games played. He'll have a new teammate in Dylan Strom, who I really am high on, AJ. Coming over from Chicago, he'll be a nice fit on the second line here for as long as Backstrom is out. I wonder what they're going to do with him when Backstrom comes back healthy. But Strom had a very nice second half for Chicago that where he got a lot of his 48 points last season. He played 69 games overall. And uh, rounding out that top group, another guy that I'm really high on is Anthony Manta. The offensive numbers weren't really there, 23 points in 37 games, but the 37 games tells a story. He missed a lot because of injury. They're hoping for a big year from him, and so am I. Uh, I expect him to be a guy that could get upwards of 50 points if he plays a regular shift here on that second unit, and eventually he'll be a sniper to be reckoned with if he really figures that part of his game out. He should really be following Ovechkin around like a lost puppy to learn everything he can here. Then uh, in terms of depth options, TJ Oshie's going to be factoring in on the power play. He always does. But he too was banged up last year, limited to 44 games played, 25 points in total. And uh, maybe the most credible of the remaining options are Connor Sheary and Marcus Johansson, veteran guys that have been here before. They haven't really got too many new faces in the bottom half that threaten for top six minutes or, or to be significant players in fantasy. But I'm really looking for Dylan Strom and Connor Brown to really round out what they've got in the top end of this roster. Yeah, and you think about those two guys, you add, you know, come, let's see, you know, January-ish, uh, late January it looks like, they'll potentially have Backstrom back and Tom Wilson, maybe Carl Hagelin too. Like suddenly um, this is a really deep team that's got some quality NHLers potentially uh, watching from, from the press box. Um, and and that, I think that gives them the potential to maybe trade somebody uh, to upgrade any other spot that they feel like at that point in time. So uh, this is going to be a pretty deep team come, you know, kind of late January here, as long as Backstrom and Wilson trend in the right direction. On the blue line, it's Martin Fairvey and John Carlson, again, making up the top pair. Dmitry Orlov and Nick Jensen, the other one. Um, this is, you know, like we talk about all the time, Carlson, your offensive driver. He'll be on number one power play, 54 assists last year. I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, but I, I would like to see how many of those 54 assists came on Ovechkin goals. Um, I could probably fairly confidently say, you know, 18 of those helpers came on the power play, probably good 15 of those uh, probably went to Ovechkin. So we'll, you know, they'll continue to do their thing with the man advantage. And then Orlov is kind of the second driver of the offense. He had 35 points in 76 games last year. They've got Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Eric Gustafsson comes over from Chicago as the third pair. Mostly is just shutdown guys with Matt Irwin kind of waiting in the wings here. So, 
really a pretty traditionally, you know, traditional makeup for this, uh, this team and this roster and the bulk of the offense from the blue line coming from John Carlson. Yeah, definitely. So I think the next best option there is Orloff coming off a 35-point season, but maybe a wild card is Eric Gustafsson, who's a couple of years removed from a 60-point season in the NHL. I'm not saying you expect him to do that again. He had 18 in 59 games played last year for a bad Chicago club. I think I, I could see him playing second-line power play here, and that would be a great spot for him to boost those numbers and possibly double them. So there is the upside opportunity in in his role on this club if, if he gets that opportunity for sure. On the back end, uh, in the Nets, they have got two new goalies tending the twine. Darcy Kemper, the signature addition, coming off the Stanley Cup win for Colorado, had great numbers, as you would expect, in the regular season and the postseason, and turned that into a big-dollar deal and uh, comes in as the go-to guy in, in Washington. He'll be asked to at least get into 50 plus games and then you look for Charles Lindgren to to take another step in his development he has had prior stops in Montreal and St. Louis he was undefeated in five regular season appearances and a fine year in the AHL so I think uh, the backup position could be a bit of a surprise to, uh, to onlookers but I expect him to be a solid backup on this team which should be in the somewhere in the playoff hunt I, I think to round out our look at the teams now AJ that brings us to the favorite part of my preseason, pre-season uh, outlooks with you, and that is where we put our, ourselves on the line to give the predictions of the final order of finish. I think we have a couple of differences, but overall we're there, there's a consensus on, on uh, uh, quite a few of the positions as well. So take us through your look at the, the Metro Division, please. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think Carolina continues to be the the class here. I, you know, obviously, tro, um, you know, they, they got Stastny here um, as a new addition. I think that gives them a lot of center depth. Freddie Anderson's still there. They add Brett Burns. Uh, I think they took a good team and, and made it, um, you know, just just as good with their departures and, and whatnot. Obviously, you wish Match Pacioretty would be available, but I still think they're cl- the class of the Metro here. Um, I'm going to put my Penguins number two here, Paul. I, I think I, I talked about Jari being a solid regular season goalie. I like the different addition of Jeff Petrie uh, and then angry Malkin. I expect to have a, a really good bounce <laughs> back year here. So um, I, I like the makeup here. We'll, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. I definitely think they're a playoff team regardless. So maybe they don't finish second, but I, I think they can for the Rangers. I've got them in third. You know, we talked about all their qualities. Vincent Trocek comes over uh, on, on a you know huge deal with them. And I think is a, a solid addition for this team. Uh, and then Shesterkin in the Nets, it's it's hard to argue with the makeup of this club. We talked about a little bit of right wing top six concerns, but I, I think they'll be fine here. In fourth, I've got Columbus. I, I really like the addition of Johnny Gaudreau. I think it gives them more opportunities here. They've got some youngsters that they need to take the next step. They've got a talented, you know, kind of blue line offensive driver. So I like what they've got here as well. New Jersey uh, is fifth for me. Uh, the the goaltending upgrade, uh, again, Andre Pallad and uh, Eric Hall, I think were really good additions for this team uh, moving forward. And then I've got Washington dropped all the way to fifth uh, I, or, uh, or sixth, rather. I, I think they're going to see a little bit of a dip. I don't know how well they'll hold up um, as they, they get, you know, into the season without Backstrom and Wilson. There's not a lot of, to other than John Carlson on this blue line. 
I think Darcy Kemper's numbers were a little bolstered by the team that he had around him in Columbus. So I'm expecting a drop there from Washington. I go with the Islanders in seven. We talked, they didn't really add anything. They weren't really that great last year. I don't know what they were expecting by not trying to get better. Um, and then the Flyers come in last. Uh, you know, this team just has so many question marks. Is Carter Hart going to ever, you know, get back to looking uh, like he did kind of in that sophomore campaign? Last two years have been really rough for him. They've had unfortunate injury concerns. I mean, they signed Ryan Ellis uh, to a nice, you know, a nice right. contract and he plays four games for them and then that's it. Basically, it, looking like that, that's going to be it. So the Flyers come in last for me. Um Paul, any huge divergence or are we pretty much about the same, maybe a few pieces moving around here or there? Well, we're in agreement in one, seven, and eight, but I have differences two through six, so a major divergence uh, in terms of the way we have it organized. I'll make my case. I agree with you, Carolina, the class of the division, and uh, a healthy Max Maturetti would only make that margin wider, so I think it should be pretty much a cakewalk for them to repeat as the first-place finishing club. The New York Rangers, though, you said it yourself. They've got a third line that could be a very interesting offensive line should the kids get it all right. And that's a nod to the Who, one of my favorite uh, <laughs> bands from way, way back. But uh, I, I hope uh, that uh, that the kids can deliver here because it'd be nice to see some high draft picks pan out. Uh, we've seen that more often than not elsewhere, but the Rangers – uh, I've been waiting on Lafreniere and Kako to take that next step, and uh, I think this is an ample, uh, really good opportunity for them to get it right and really make that forward complement look that much better. You, uh, you and I differ on the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're high on them because of the gang is back for one more kick at the cap, but I think it's going to be more references to nostalgia than what's happening on the ice because I think this team's best days are behind them with this core, AJ, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm sorry to say, buddy, but but uh, I hope that the vets can stay healthy and give them that chance to be a playoff team here again. And that's where I have them in third place. I, I think you, still, you just you just slag on them and then you say, ah, but they'll finish third in the no, match. They, they will because really... the, the best of the rest are not that good. That's why I'm saying that's the that's what they got going for them. <laughs> New Jersey Devils coming off a, a season where they finished sixth and everybody's saying, oh, watch out for the Devils. I see them no, going no higher than fourth. There's a couple of question marks here, a few too many ifs in terms of who's going to play where and where's the scoring going to come from and why is a guy like Sharon Govich playing third line minutes when I think he should be a top six guy. So they got to get that straightened out, and I think they're lacking in terms of, of the def- defense, defensive depth behind a signature player back there and question marks in the nets. So that gives Pittsburgh the nod over them. I'll, de- I'll defend my position that way. Then Washington, the thing that's keeping them no higher than fifth is because they've got all the injuries that we noted that's going to cost them a playoff spot AJ and that's why I have them the ceiling for this club is fifth place if they get a a big surge at the second half maybe they can threaten for a wild card but that's the best they can hope for and I'm not as high on Columbus as you are again because I I think they've only got one quality netminder I'll begin there and then on the back end on the defense they got one quality offensive minded defenseman they need more than that and then up front, they may be a one-line hockey team. So I'm really concerned about the, the construction of this lineup. And uh, on, only on the top names that they have at some of these positions do they rank above the Islanders in Philadelphia, who I think are going to be two of the worst teams in the NHL overall. And they'll be battling it out for seventh and eighth. Uh, I'll agree with you on that one. So final thoughts to you, my friend. This is a division you're going to watch much closer than most. And uh, this is your chance to to really make a case for your Penguins, I guess. What's the ceiling on them this year? 
Yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, you asked for the ceiling. I mean, I think the ceiling is they still have the players that could finish first. Now, I'm not expecting that. I'm not predicting it. But if you're asking for their ceiling, it could be there. But they're probably an injury or two away from, you know, challenging the Flyers for the bottom, as, as you pointed out, too. So, um, you know, the the ceiling, you know, the top and the bottom for my Penguins is, is pretty steep. But I think we what we both see in, in looking at our rankings is we see Carolina, New York, and Pittsburgh kind of, you know, the top, New Jersey, Washington, Columbus, the middle, and then the Islanders and the Flyers, the bottom. So for a division that generally we've talked about, you know, in years past that there's always somebody – uh, you know, it's always really close and it's hard to pick who's going to finish up where. I think we have a little bit more of a clear picture heading into this season that we haven't had in years past as kind of the the tiers, as you will, of, of the Metro. I agree with that assessment, partner. And uh, a fine note to finish up our third preseason episode. We'll conclude the preseason look with a look at the division that I'll be focused on more, and that's the Atlantic Division next week as we round out the preseason portion of our programming to get you ready for your fantasy hockey pools. Mine's taking place on the eve of the season. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I hope there's not too many more injury notes to look at. I want to see all the teams at their best. And uh, injuries are such a wild card, too. But uh, we'll be back next week, as I said, with our Atlantic Division preview. And as always, we remind you that we're here to assist you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can also follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And don't forget to follow AJ2 at AJSholes24. So long, everybody. 